0: Rev it up, and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,046.
1: And he looked me right in the eye and said, thank you for your persistence. I really appreciated that.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Todd Wortman. Hey, Todd, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am indeed. All right, here we go. Todd Wertman is a partner at European Collectibles, a leading retailer and restorer of vintage Porsches and European sports cars located in beautiful Costa Mesa, California. Todd spent nine years working in the film industry before pivoting to a career in the automotive world. He's written catalogs for David Gooding, who was then the president of RM Auctions. He worked for four years with the actor Nicolas Cage to help him build his car collection. And in 2010, he opened European Collectibles. Todd is an authority on values of classic cars and meets often with a group of industry professionals with Haggerty Insurance and their valuation team. And you'll also see Todd on Discovery Channel's new show, Sticker Shock, with past Cars Yeah! guest Dennis Pitsenbarger. So Todd, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your business, your career, and a very obvious passion for automobiles?
1: I joined European Collectibles in 2010 to open a second store. We opened a retail franchise on Coast Highway. You've already talked about what we specialize in, mainly Porsches, Ferraris, and Mercedes. And it's it's been a long road getting here. I started out in the auction business uh, doing research briefly, and then I moved on to Symbolic Motors in La Jolla. We were uh, major players in the vintage Ferrari business and uh, did that for a number of years before going out on my own with European Collectibles.
0: Well, very cool. And of course, Bill Noon from Symbolic. I've known Bill forever. I grew up in La Jolla. So. Uh've known to that facility and known Bill for decades, so he's been a past guest here on cars, yeah, so I think you and I have a lot of connections with a lot of the same people and my listeners know I love old Porsche, so your website, your facilities just uh make me drool when I look at what you have to uh to offer us Porsche files and anybody who loves European cars and as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Todd, take the wheel.
1: Uh, I've had a lot of great things said to me over the years in the course of of transactions. And I would say the one that kind of hit me the most was a, a guy said to me not too long ago, thank you for your persistence. I chased a guy who had two very important cars. I chased him for about three years, not in his face the whole time, not being bothersome, just letting him know casually that I was still interested, hadn't forgotten about him. Over the course of a few years, we finally made a deal. And after it was all done and he had the check in his hand and the cars were at my facility, we were kind of chatting and he looked me right in the eye and said, thank you for your persistence. I really appreciated that.
0: You know, this is an interesting point. And my listeners know, you know, with five shows a week, I am chasing over 400 people at any given moment. And when I had the late, great Denise McLuggage on the show, I had requested and sent her invitations for a long time and finally got her on the show. And she said to me before we started, Mark, you're the most politely persistent guy I've ever met. I think it's a it's a difficult balance. And I'm wondering if you can offer some insights to listeners out there that are trying to do deals with people, or business with people, or whatever it might be. Maybe it's even getting a date. How do you become politely persistent? Are there a couple tips you might share with us?
1: Well, I've just I've taken all different routes.
0: It really depends
1: on the person. I don't think anybody wants to be hounded. There's a big difference between accurately persistent and just you know over the top. And I think that over the top persistence would mean. You're putting your own needs first. This is what you want. You're going to keep reminding them that you want this over and over again. That doesn't work very well. But if you can uh, sort of judge the other person's pace and just remind them when it's convenient or appropriate that you're there and still interested, I think that goes a long way.
0: Absolutely. I'm glad you put it that way. Put the other person's thoughts and wishes and dreams first before yours. And if you genuinely do that, I believe you are perceived as polite in your persistency and not pushy. So nice way to go about things. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. You've been involved in cars for decades here. So obviously you love automobiles. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed a car guy?
1: Oh, probably. I mean, I grew up around cars. My father was a new car dealer. Uh road and track magazine arrived at my house monthly. We didn't have a lot of things to read uh, back in those days, pre-internet. So I probably read every issue of road and track cover to cover four or five times in a month, waiting for the next one. And <laughs> yep. I realized I was different from my peers when, you know, you're sitting around with guys talking And say in high school, most of my friends were interested in the cars that would give them the most recognition from the girls. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you could sit around and talk about five liter Mustangs all you wanted in the late eighties or nineties. I wanted to talk about Mazda 323 GTXs, uh, cars that would never get you a girl ever, but might be really fun to, (laughs) but might be really fun to drive and had had some great attributes. And uh, so when I was the only one wanting to have that conversation, I kind of knew that my interest in these things was a little different.
0: Yeah. Oh, he brought something to mind. That's why I kind of choked and laughed there a little bit. <laughs> but I'll talk to you about that later. Well, let's look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure, because these things come up in life, especially when you're entrepreneurial like you are. Uh, That road is fraught with hills and valleys, but I'd love for you to share one of those valleys, let's say a challenge that you faced. But the most important thing is what you'd learned from that. So tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum when you moved forward.
1: Starting at the beginning, my biggest hurdle in life to date is that from when I started talking until I was halfway through high school, I had a massive stutter. Not wanting to be the one to talk, because the words may or may not come out, may or may not sound pretty when they did come out. I became a really good listener. Thanks to my mom, we pursued speech therapy. And for about a decade, I sat three days a week with a speech therapist and learned to speak. So having gone through that and then ended up in sales of all things, where you're talking to people that you don't know, and then ending up on a television show called Sticker Shock, which all I do is talk and express myself off the cuff, unrehearsed. I'm really, really proud of uh, how I've developed a skill that not many people really have to learn. Most people just do it naturally. I had to learn how to talk. And now I'm, I've been using uh, my ability to talk for my business now for 20 plus years.
0: Well, you know, thanks for sharing a, a really personable time and probably most likely a very challenging time for you in your life. But I think it's fantastic. And thankfully your mother was there to help and support you and get the right help that you needed. I've known some people in my life that deal with stuttering and some that have very serious challenges with it. And they've never been able to overcome that or may perhaps maybe find the right help. So. Is there maybe a tip you might often a list or offer? I should say a listener out there who's dealing with that challenge, maybe in any kind of speaking challenge, that might give them some encouragement.
1: I think that people, as we age, are a lot more forgiving than we know, and I think that a little bit of confidence in yourself and just keep trying. I think that uh, keep trying to find the right help, keep trying to express yourself, whether it's working as as clearly and as eloquently as everybody else. I just think that uh, your opinions matter regardless of your ability to express them cleanly.
0: Very nicely said. Awesome. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Uh, we talked a little bit about want to pivot in your career. If you went from the auction industry to working in dealerships and so forth, that might be it. But tell us about your aha moment, a time when those headlights came on and what illuminated a way for a new path for you in your career?
1: Well, when I switched careers from the movie business to the car business, that was by choice. The movie business is bigger than bigger than anything, bigger than I, I was ever going to be. What changed things for me so dramatically is the fact that I didn't need a whole bunch of collaboration. I didn't need a whole bunch of people behind me to get something done. If I want to buy a car... I know a guy that I can call and borrow the money. Then I can go call the other guy and buy the car. And now I can call a third guy and sell him the car. And that's all basically me being the main person in that. The movie business was just far too many people needed to be involved. And I'm much, much happier being in control of what I do with my day uh, in the pursuit of, of making my living.
0: You know, it's an interesting thing because people think of the film industry, movie business is so much glamour and so much wonderful because we just see that fringe outside picture. But I've had friends that work in Hollywood, work in New York, work in the film industry. And, and you're right. It's fraught with so many layers of people and competition and f- people vying for positions and so forth. So it must have been very refreshing for you to land yourself in a position where you were in essence in control, Right. Absolutely. Nice revelation for you. Plus, you got to play with cars. How much better is that? Much better. Yeah, you found the secret sauce to life here. Well, let's go back in time now. A lot of cars have passed through your hands. So those we won't talk so much about. I'm more interested in your first really special car, that first car that you got that had great meaning for you, something you decided to keep a while and enjoy. Maybe you could talk about that car, what it was, and share a special memory about that vehicle.
1: After I... Had a little bit of success in the in the car business. I decided that I really wanted a a 1972 or a 73 911 S Porsche. Values weren't anywhere near what they were today. Uh, it's a car that I wanted. I started searching around and I found an interesting situation in Japan. The car had a lot of options that I wanted. I had some pretty good pictures of it. And the thing that I find the most interesting about it is I was really unsure of the color. It's a Porsche factory color called beige gray. I had never seen it in person. It's a very rare color. And I wasn't sure that I wanted it. It kind of looked to me like very sedate. Was it too plain for me? It's okay to have a car in a pretty wild color if it's not your your daily driver. But anyway, everything else uh, with the car lined up and I went ahead and purchased it. We imported it from Japan and it turned out in the end that I loved the color. The color has been, you know, it was fantastic when I owned the car. Unfortunately, I don't own it any longer, but I had that car several years and improved it dramatically and then ultimately sold it.
0: Uh, I know the color you're talking about, and you and I share something, Todd. I had a 72S for mm-hmm. about 15 years. A car that I chased, a guy that I worked with owned it for 10 years. Literally every week, I would say, when are you going to sell me my car? I mean, <laughs> the <laughs> poor guy. I was trying to be that politely persistent we talked about, but finally one day I found a 356 I was going to buy, and I called Kenji, Kenji Yoshino. He's been a guest on the show here. He sells... Uh, French car parts of all crazy things. But I said, Kenji, I'm about to send your money from my ass to somebody for a 356. Last chance. Will you sell me your car? And it was met with silence. And I'm like, are you there? And he goes, Mark's on. I'll sell you the car. And I'm like, oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. Of course, the guy with the 356 wasn't very happy about that. But I got yeah, the I car, had it for 15 years. Yeah, taught my kids how to drive stick, drove that car a lot. And uh, like you, sadly, it is no longer in my garage. I let it go to cover multiple years of college because, the, as you know, those prices had gone through the roof. But I do miss that car a lot. It was ivory. It wasn't as unique as the color of your car, but, oh, the S. I love it. When that, that cam comes on at high revs, that's a wonderful car, isn't it? Yeah,
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. Well, we can. Next time I'm down there in Costa Mesa, we'll sit down and have a drink over some tears about our, our long lost S because, as we all know, they're now worth even more money. So, uh, huh? Oh, well. At least we both got to experience that car. Well, how about a car that you've sold? And again, I don't want to talk about cars you've sold through your business that you wish you could have kept, but cars that you've owned that you've let go. And let's take money off the table and just talk about emotion. Is there a car you really wish you had back?
1: It's the very same car. I mean that's that's the okay. one car. <laughs> yes. That's the one car of any that I would I would love to have back and I would be more than happy to pay current market rate. It's absolutely not about the money. It's just it's about that car. It's about the time in my life, the reason that I sold it. It's just I really really would like to have it back and the guy that that bought it from me still owns it and doesn't want to sell it.
0: Well, maybe someday. There's always a day people want to let go of things. I will tell you my car is is for sale right now. So uh yeah, if you're interested in an ivory car, it's at Road Scholars uh okay. for sale. Last time I checked it's still for sale. Yeah. But uh yeah, to get that one car back that was yours, that's uh that's a pretty unique and special thing. Well let's talk about today and tomorrow what has you excited and fired up. I know European collectibles, and I'll make sure I put a link on your show notes page for listeners who don't already know about your company can go and check out the incredible inventory and the the vehicles that you have for sale. But I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your involvement with Discovery Channel's Sticker Shock and working with Dennis. Dennis Pitsenbarger was a guest not too long ago here on Cars. Yeah, wonderful guy. And it's so cool when I found out that you were involved in the show. So tell our listeners a little bit more about the show, your involvement, and uh, a little bit more about Discovery's Sticker Shock.
1: Well, the show has been described as the antiques roadshow of cars. And I think that that's very accurate. The producers at Discovery did a fantastic job of of casting the show. They put out notes in forums to car clubs to really find people that were really passionate about one car, not people looking to sell it, just people really passionate about the car. Uh, They interviewed them over, over Skype to make sure that they could accurately verbalize their love for the car and explain what it was. And so the premise of the show is the cars are brought in, I'm an appraiser, and we don't really get access to the car in advance of being on camera. So the car is brought in, and the, the host of the show, Dennis Pitzenberger, interviews them about their love for it, their relationship with it, and then an appraiser comes on and inspects it, asks a few questions, and then ultimately gives a value. So I'm one of four appraisers in that arena.
0: Well, what's great about this is it sounds like it's not too much of a pre-scripted type fakey-do show, that you really walk in first time to see the car, so you're really doing real, real-time real appraisals, right?
1: Exactly. Uh, because we aren't actors, myself and the other appraisers, we're just car people. Randy, Addison, Nick, and myself, we're car people. We work in the industry. So, If we were given days and days of access to a car to inspect it, to look up all the numbers and then appear on camera and speak about it, we might have these scripts in our head or ideas that we wanted to convey. And that just wouldn't come across as genuine. So so the appraisers were not given uh, unlimited access to the car prior to being on camera. It more functioned like a newsroom. We had maybe 30 minutes to give a a quick look at it before uh, seeing it on camera. And so we really had to ask a lot of questions of the car's owners about original engine versus non. I mean, we're not sitting there with, with books to, to decode numbers. So it was really an honest and genuine, uh, give and take, um, on information. So we would learn as much as we could about the car in the few minutes that, that we were speaking to the owner and inspect it and point things out. And all of that was really happening naturally. Uh, we weren't able to inspect them in advance and find things wrong and, and develop really biting questions about it.
0: Right. Very cool. Now, the show's been on for a couple months. Where can people find it? Uh, is it appear in, across all the Discovery Networks at the same time during the week?
1: It's on on. Discovery Channel on Wednesday nights, uh, in Southern California. That is 10 p.m. on Wednesday night. It's always available on discovery.com. You can view the episodes for free. All the episodes that we've aired so far are available. And then, um, every Wednesday, a new episode is added. So if you don't, uh, want to find it in your, in your cable system, you're welcome to watch there.
0: There you go. And I'll make sure I put links on Todd's show notes page so you can find that show. i encourage you to check it out. It's really fun. Has there been any big surprises in the, the, the shows you've done? I know there's some shows coming that you may have already recorded. You can't give away any secrets, but anything that revelations that have come to your mind after doing this show for a while now?
1: We have found some very interesting and ingenious home mechanics. We found some people that have solved some long-term problems with cars, some that have, have done very, very well. We found a guy that installed um, a throttle body fuel injection system to a Ford Flathead V8. The car ran great and drove very well. It was very, very surprising.
0: Well, again, I encourage listeners to check out the new Sticker Shock Show in Discovery. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun indeed. And, of course, get your imagination going of, oh, I wonder what my car could be worth. So uh, take a gander at that. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Todd. If Todd was a vehicle, what would he be and want? Ooh, I guess I would be a Toyota
1: Land Cruiser FJ40.
0: Oh, oh, cool. And why's that? Well,
1: I'm not exactly pretty, but I look cool. And I'm just...
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: I'm just that kind of personality. I'm very stable. I'm very reliable. I don't complain. And I have amazing endurance. So I think that
0: I'm an FJ40. Well, I liked your answer. of course, uh, a mutual friend, I'm sure you probably know Jonathan Ward of Icon, who's down there in Southern California with you. He's been a guest on the show. So he's smiling right now. Uh, those are great vehicles. I had a good buddy in high school that had one. We used to take it down to Mexico and camp on the beach and surf. So wonderful vehicle. A lot of fun. I think that's a great answer. Well, Todd, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, this is Mark Green. You know I've been using covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school. That was way back in 1975. This month I'm offering you, as a Car listener, a very special deal. Starting April 16th, 2018 through April 30th, 2018, you'll receive 10% off all NOAA Fabric custom car covers and 10% off all Wolf Ready Fit Semi Custom Covers. Simply use the code CARSYEAH on checkout at Covercraft.com. NO is the most popular outdoor fabric specially made by Kimberly Clark to protect your special vehicle. It provides maximum protection from the harmful UV rays of the sun, rain, dust, those nasty bird droppings, snow, dings, and it's breathable, and it's very soft on your paint. Wolf Ready Fit Semi Custom Covers are an economical option and provide indoor and outdoor protection for your special car. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me later, and your car will thank me too. That's Covercraft.com, and be sure to use the code CARSYA at checkout. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. Okay, Todd, we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Always look underneath. And preferably where the car is parked to see if there's any anything tripping on the ground. That'll uh, give you a little clue to what might be coming up in your life. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: I always listen to people's answers. It's amazing how people ask questions and they're on to the next question in their mind before the person is even answered. It's amazing what people will tell you if you give them the opportunity to just speak.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that is a, a classic, but a great salesman's tool is ask lots of great questions and then listen. I think my mom taught me that lesson. She said to me once, that's why you have one mouth and two ears. Listen twice as long as you speak. So I always try to keep that in mind. Thank you, Mom. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Uh, Buy a paint meter. I think paint meters are
1: fantastic tools to tell you what's under the paint. They tell you where to have a closer look at a car to check for prior damage. Buy a paint meter
0: and buy a good one. Ah, absolutely. Yeah, those things are invaluable. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be?
1: I guess I'd like to meet Elon Musk at the moment. I find that uh, where Hmm. he's trying to take the automotive industry is fascinating, and I'd like to hear him describe why.
0: Yes. Oh, gosh, would I love to get him on this show. He is a hard guy to get to. He's got a lot of shields around him, but... Quite amazing individual when you look back over his life and uh, talk about a guy that pivots at every every curve he comes to. Incredible guy. So Todd, is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy?
1: My favorite book lately is a book called Turbo 3.0 by Ryan Snodgrass. The 1975 to 1977 Porsche 930 turbos are among my favorite. And It isn't until recently that I really started paying attention to them. And this guy, Ryan, put out just a fantastic book that breaks down all the different options and all the development. And there really were some wild interiors and some strange options. And it's just a fascinating time in Porsche history. And I don't think very many people are aware of what was going on from 75 to 77. Wasn't exactly Porsche's most, most valuable time.
0: Absolutely. All those, those cars have started to climb a little bit. Ryan, I've been trying to get him on this show. i got to reach out to him again. Parabolica Press is his company, and that is a fantastic book. I love that book. Uh, I has, have it on my shelf up next to the uh, the two RS Carrera books, of course, the first one that came out and the more recent one that came out. So absolutely great book. Well, listeners, I'll make sure that I share all these great resources that Todd has brought us today on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Todd. Wertman, W-E-R-T-M-A-N, and that page will pop right up. All right, Todd, we're up to the last question, and this one can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you, for you, any cool collector car on the planet. Money is no object, but here's the rule. You can only have this one car as a toy car. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so if you think you're going to get a GTO Ferrari today so you can buy a whole bunch of Porsches, that can't work you got to keep it, and more importantly, I want you to drive this car and enjoy it. Being down there in Costa Mesa, Southern California, lots of great places to go in the sunshine. So, talking today, what's the car going to be and why? I think I would
1: take a Mercedes 300 SL Roadster. Mercedes from the 50s, they were so far ahead of their time. The cars drive great, they make a lot of power, they're beautiful. They're not sports cars in the sense that you feel like you're... Going to go out and sweat and be roughed around on the road. You can push them hard when you're in the mood. You can relax when you're not. I think that uh, I would get a lot of use out of it and I might have a lot more willing passengers than if I had a, a high strung Ferrari or an, an overperforming Porsche.
0: You know, I've had a lot of guests on the show pick 300 SL Goings, of course, that iconic car but the roadster i share with you is my more favorite car i think it's a lot more fun and having driven those cars this like a, it's such a rock solid car and and so incredible for an old car from the late 50s that it shocked me when i got to drive one just how nice it was to drive of course the car i drove was a canapa restoration so it's a very very nice car but right. uh yeah they're nice what color would you like that roadster to be
1: uh, there are a lot of light colors. Very similar to my beige gray nine eleven S. There's uh, a color called mm. Vice Grau, which translates to white gray. That uh, I think mm. is a very pretty color.
0: Yeah, and that car, that color with a oh, dark green interior, maybe or a ox blood interior or something like that, uh, would be fantastic. Very nicely put. Well, Todd. You've taken me on a great ride today. I knew you wouldn't, and I've enjoyed learning more about you, European Collectibles, and your time on Discovery Sticker Shock. Very cool. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the coast highway in that 300SL Roadster?
1: I would say trust your gut. If you're in a situation to inspect a car, to buy a car, or, or even to sell one, and you feel like something isn't going right or something isn't adding up, you're probably right. Don't be afraid to uh, walk away if you can't. Even if you can't put your finger on why,
0: absolutely, great advice from a guy who sells cars. So heed that thought. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about your business? We have a website
1: which is europeancollectibles.com and I can be reached through that website. I'm also pretty active on Instagram. My Instagram name is Todd Wertman. Please feel free to reach me there and follow me.
0: Absolutely. And again, don't forget to see him on. Discovery Channel's Sticker Shock. Just go to discovery.com and you'll find Sticker Shock there. Check out this new TV show. It's really cool, really fun. Love it. And Dennis, of course, you'll see him there as well. If you missed my talk with Dennis on Karja, you'll find it on the Karja website. Todd, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Karja audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome.